you're going on the field to like bully someone or you're going on the field to literally mentally dominate them. That, that's what athlete, that's what rugby that's battle. Football is. battle. And then like off the field, I'm a family man. So it's like you can sometimes get those two worlds um, mix and mingle then you just come off looking like you're, you're just too much, you know? I'm your host, Rob Cook, and this is Contenders Wanted. The show where we believe incredible success doesn't have to come at the expense of your family, your faith, or anything else that makes life worth living. Too many success stories nowadays celebrate people who either sacrificed these things for their own success or became successful before realizing the importance of them. Our mission is to show the world you can have both incredible success and the things that make your goals worth reaching for. We know it's possible because we've seen it in our own lives and the lives of our guests. So if you're ready to go from contender to champion, then join us, where contenders are always wanted. We've all had those days. You're coming home from work, traffic is back post-COVID, and it was a terrible day at the office. As you drive, all your mind seems to be doing is replaying the frustrations of the day. That passive-aggressive comment a coworker made at you. The conversation with a customer who yelled at you and blamed you for something you had no control over. The key employee who told you today that they're leaving for a competitor. Or a host of other things. If you're like me, the combination of the frustration, anger, and sometimes even hurt feelings can build till you get home. And then, without realizing it, suddenly you're bringing those feelings home and unloading them on an unsuspected family. It's rough for all parties involved. You feel guilty, your spouse feels frustrated, and your kids may feel hurt because all they want to do is play with dad. And we're so excited to see you after a long day. Now, I am not perfect at this. I'll be the first to admit that. But I am working on getting better at creating the space necessary to leave that junk at the office so I can give the people at home, who are the most important to me, my best. Not just what's left over at the end of the day. But it's hard. I'll admit it, it's it's hard. However, after talking with our guest today, I realized it could be a lot worse a lot more difficult to leave behind. Our guest today is Paul Lasique, a two-time pro athlete in both the NFL and international rugby, and a family man who's always working to leave behind the competitive, intense warrior side of him on the rugby pitch and bring home the kind, humble guy that he really is. Paul and I start off our show talking about life lessons learned from the two gridirons he's played on and how those translate into life. We talk about two attributes almost universal to all great athletes, obsession and confidence bordering on cockiness. Paul then opens up with us about his efforts to be a husband and father and not bring the intensity and savageness of his profession home with him. And we wrap things up talking about the impact his family's had on his ability to not only play, but play longer and better than he ever expected. Honestly, I think you guys are going to love it. If you at all love sports, especially the NFL or rugby, this one's going to hit home with you. For Paul's full bio and links to his awesome music on his Facebook page, check out our show notes on your podcast player and on our website at contenderswanted.com. And with that, let's jump right in. All right, Paul, Paul Lasique, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding, man? I am really excited to have you on the show. For listeners of the show, Paul and I played rugby together back at BYU when I I was just a young pup in the game and I got to watch this master of rugby play. And uh, had a ton of fun, but I was really excited to get him on the show because Paul is a very unique individual in the fact that he's actually played professionally two different sports, American NFL football and international rugby. 
Uh, so we're going to kind of dive through a bunch of his story today. But perhaps, Paul, why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, tell listeners who are you and what it is what it is that you do. Yeah, so I'm, uh, so I'm a professional rugby player currently. Uh, like you mentioned, um, I grew up in New Zealand. I was born and raised in New Zealand. Uh, then at, for high school, uh, my last year of high school, so this would have been when I was 17, I uh, moved over to the U.S. and did uh, a stint with Larry Gowicks in the Highland rugby team in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and that was sort of high school based, and there was a couple scouts there uh, that scouted me to uh, play BYU, to play at BYU. So I did, um, yeah, three or four years playing rugby uh, and American football at BYU. And then... Um, had the opportunity to play with Chicago, the Chicago Bears, for two seasons. Um, and then in 2018, I came back to rugby. And so where I'm currently at right now, so I, put, I represent USA and play um, for the Harlequins, which is a club here in England, in the English Premiership. So I have two kids, two kids, a five and a seven-year-old, married. Uh, my wife is from Sacramento, where you are at, uh, Rob. So that's a cool thing. Love it there, by the way. We're heading there next week. So, um, you guys yeah, nearby, come let yeah. us know if you got time. Yeah, definitely. That's a little, yeah, that's a little bit about me, though. Okay. Well, let's, let's do a kind of a deeper dive into a little bit, bits and pieces of your story then here, Paul. Uh, you said you mentioned you grew up in New Zealand. Uh, did you always think you were going to be a professional rugby player? Did you always kind of have those dreams, maybe playing for the All Blacks or another professional team as a kid? Yeah, that it was like, I always loved sports. So there was two things that I loved in life and it was, you know, apart from my family and things, but it was uh, sports and music. Um, and so I always knew that I wanted to do something with sports and, um, you know, it was my, my dream as a little kid to play for the All Blacks. It was funny you mentioned that. Um, I ended up representing the USA, but... Uh, that yeah, is kind of a funny it, twist of fate, huh? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it was always, yeah, I've always had it in my blood to to be an athlete and... You know, I was blessed with sort of raw talent and um, and then just things sort of aligned along along the way for me to be able to fall into uh, being a professional athlete. So, yeah, it was uh, it's, it's, it, it's still awesome right now to know that what I do for a living is something that I absolutely love, you know, playing mm-hmm. rugby, throwing the ball around, going to the gym, working out, all of those things and, and providing for my family. So, yeah, it's, it, it is like a dream come true. I can I can only imagine, right? I mean, all of us as kids, who hasn't said in to, in some context, "Oh, I'd love to be that thing," whatever, yeah. it be, whether it's a police officer, a firefighter, a astronaut, a professional athlete, whatever it might be. I mean, those are the things that always went through my mind as a kid. Yeah, how many of us actually become those things one day? So that, that's really cool that you have the opportunity to do that. Now, you yeah. mentioned something that I wasn't planning on talking about, but I think we should bring it up. You have a love for music. And you're actually quite the musician. The musician, um, from what I could see on your Facebook videos, you play the guitar like a madman. What are some of the things that you've been able to do with this gift of of music? Yeah, um, my mom was a music teacher, so I was always brought up around instruments. We had a piano at our house, we had a guitar at our house, and so um, I sort of had no other choice but to, to play with those. I wasn't really a video game or anything, but um, yeah, I love. I love uh, acoustic music. I love John Mayer's uh, guitar playing, you know. And, yeah, it's just always been a hobby on the side, you know, to sort of take my focus off family, off sports and things like that. I would always just 
I can play for hours, um, just jamming on the guitar, trying to figure out songs. But yeah, every now and then I'll play uh, music on my social media and um, yeah, let let people enjoy it if they like it. So it's fun. Yeah. I like it. Well, I have to give you props. I was very impressed when I found those on Facebook doing my research for this. Yeah. You've got a good voice and you got some skills Thank on you. the guitar. So for listeners, when you go and look Paul up after this interview, make sure you listen to some of those videos on Facebook. It's it's really, really good. Yeah, thanks. Um, you, you mentioned something interesting. You said that music for you is an outlet as a way for you to kind of relax. Has it always been that way for you? Yeah, it is. It's 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 like my therapy, honestly. So um and I can remember doing it at every stage of my life. Um, you know, when I was a teenager in, in school, you know, some lunch times I would just go into the music room and play by myself on the piano or something when I was on my on, on my Mormon mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for our lunch breaks, if we would stop at, you know, a, a church to take a lunch break, I'd always jam on the piano. That was sort of my outlet. Um, and it's the same now. So when the kids are down, um, sometimes I'll just go downstairs and jam on the guitar. But it is a... I imagine things and it just sort of soothes me when I, when I play instruments. Yeah. I love that. I feel like all of us need to have that thing that we can use to kind of relax. Right. Yeah. yeah. The easy stuff is like Netflix and chill, quote unquote. Right. And, you know, sitting there yeah. just vegging out, but something like this, I think is an awesome alternative and one that we should all try and explore and find in our lives. I know that for myself personally, this is something that I am still in the process of finding. Um, I've found that having a way to just unplug and that's completely different from what I do normally on my day job is so beneficial for me to be able to just relax and enable my mind to kind of relax as well. So that when I get back on the saddle, I'm actually better than I was. Yeah, exactly. No, I've heard that from people as well. Like I've heard it phrased, like you got to have an anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever their anchor is, like for some people, their anchor is working out, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, if, if they don't, if they don't have that anchor, they'll, they'll go crazy, <laughs> you know, and crazy in whatever way that they think, you know, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're just stressing out over things or whatever it is that can sort of, uh, anchor you and, and bring you back down to earth, so to speak, you know, but, but it's good. Yeah, everyone should find that one thing. And, yeah, uh, I think it's important as well. Yeah, no, I would definitely second that. All right. Well, let, we kind of got on a little bit of a tangent there, but um, I did kind of want to ask about playing rugby when you're a kid. One of the reasons why I love sports and why I'm going to encourage my kids to play sports is just because sports is a great microcosm for life and it can teach us so many lessons that can bless us down the road. So you mentioned earlier that you got the opportunity to play with Larry Gelwicks, who for the listeners of the show, if you don't know who that is, he's the coach who inspired the movie forever strong, um, and is just a legend in the U S high school rugby space. Um, and you played at a lot of high levels, both in New Zealand and here in the U S while you're growing up as a kid, were there any particular lessons that you learned growing up as a kid playing rugby that have then translated into your life now as an adult and as a father and as a professional athlete? Yeah, um, I, I'm with you as well in the fact that I, I want my kids to play sports. Um, I won't necessarily force them into a sport, but I'll expose yeah. them. I'll expose them to that environment because there's so many like social benefits as well for for kids to work and learn how to uh, cooperate and communicate in, in a team setting. So I like that. I like that fact about sports, and I'm only just starting 
I'm I'm 31, like I said now, but I'm only just starting to, you know, in the last few years, realize the importance of those things in sports. You know, the the social connections, the um, you know, the, the I, I was always in sports, so I couldn't really see it. But you know, now that I've sort of now that I'm getting older and I've been around that environment, I can see like, wow, playing in sports has, has benefited me so much that I've been able to meet different people. Uh, learn teamworking skills that you, you're going to have to apply to life, whatever you know, whatever that is. Working with other people, um, you know, uh, bonding and all that sort of stuff. So, like those are all things that I've learned and and I've found out as I'm older. I've been really grateful to have been, you know, immersed in sports so that, that, that and it benefits me to this day. Um, but yeah, like you said with Larry Galax as well, he wasn't. He was such an awesome, like. And he was, he had a huge part of me because that was like the fork in the road for me. Like when I was a, you know, adolescent, so I would have been 17. Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, that's like the uh, um, sort of the fork in the road. You know, you're after you're finishing high school. Um, some people are thinking about going on a mission. Some people are thinking about working. Others are going, you know, going to school. And so, but he, he played a huge part in, in the fact that like, one thing that I got from him was because he always encouraged young men to go on missions, you know, because I'm a I'm, I'm one of the members. So, um, and it was like you have two years to serve and then a lifetime to think about it. And so, I, I apply that to any sort of thing where you might need to sacrifice something. You know, you'll go through it for that short time period, but then you'll have your whole life to look back on it and things like that. Um, and one thing for us is that. Me and my wife, Annie, we've always thought like, um, you know, when it, we want to hurry up and settle down, you know, like we don't even have a house and like we don't have this, that. And, and we always we always look at sort of sometimes you look at the negative and you want to hurry up and get to that point. But it's like. It's like when we look back on it, this is this is a time in our lives that we're loving so much that we get to experience different cultures in different countries and different states. Whereas like these times that our kids will cherish forever and we'll look back on it and we'll have our whole lives to buy a house and settle down and figure out our next thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing. Sorry. I, I sort of went off on a tangent there, but um, no, that's okay. This is uh, great. Yeah. In other words, sports is awesome. Um, yeah. There are things that you can learn from it other than just winning and losing. Um, so yeah. And you would have, you, you would have seen it playing in college as well. Like the, um, the bond, that you can only get in sports. You, you you won't find it in an office. You won't find it working at a retail store or something like that. You can only get this from sports that when you're on the field with, with someone and you're sweating and, you know, your injuries, blood, sweat and tears, literally, mm-hmm. especially if you win a national title, for example, like those are experiences where you can't experience in any other, in any other field of life, you know, in my opinion anyways. Like, yeah. I'm on the same page. I completely agree. I got, I'm kind of curious there. Is there a specific event or specific time where you began to kind of tune into this idea of the social aspect of sports and that lesson? Yeah, it was after. So I was playing for USA. So this would have been 2018. Um, so, yeah, pretty late and only a few years ago, really. But we USA beat Scotland for the first time. And that was that was first, a great game. Um, that was the first time a tier two nation had beaten a tier one nation. Um, and so, uh, I didn't realize it, but a lot of the boys were some, a, a handful of the boys were already playing in Europe, you know, like professional club rugby, but the majority of us were in, were still in uh, America playing club rugby and just sort of, 
um, guys off the street, really. You know how USA Rugby works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, once we beat them and I realized it was such a big deal, those are the sorts of connections. You know, and, and some of these boys I had only just met, you know, because I was only captain in 2018 as well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know them very long, but um, those bonds and those relationships, I still keep in touch with to this day and we still talk about it, you know. Like, it's an awesome icebreaker, so to speak, if you haven't seen them after three or four years. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that was a sort of time where I was like, wow, this is, like, sports, you know, you, is, is such an awesome thing, man. It's funny how those kind of inflection points in our lives can be those times where you really look and you can see the the different lessons that impact yeah. us, right? Scotland yeah. was a really big deal. Like you said, tier, a tier one team had never lost to a tier two team. And yeah. for listeners of the show, the USA is a tier two team, the tier two team there, just yeah. if we need to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can clarify as much as you want because I'm talking sort of like terminology that people might be thinking what the heck is no, this it's, all, it's yeah. all good it's all good we've actually had um another rugby player on the show uh uh jordan matias i don't know if you know her she's a she's oh on yeah yeah, I do. yeah 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 she's great she was on the show a while back oh Anyways. nice okay um but it's interesting those inflection points those kind of big moments tend to have lessons for us and in sports. There tend to be quite a few of them, right? It's just kind of a nature of the environment. Uh, yeah. For me, I turned it tuned into this idea of the benefits, the social side of sports when I was in college playing with you guys, actually yeah, uh, for yeah. listeners of the show, I only played one year at BYU of rugby, but it was the best one year of sports I had ever played uh, just because of the brotherhood the friends that I made so quickly playing sports. I mean, I had always like you, I'd always played sports, but then I went on this two or three year stint where I had stepped away and I had, you know, just kind of played intramurals here and there, but to really get back on a team again and really have that, that schedule and that, like you said, the grinding, the blood, the sweat and the tears together, it, it immediately created friendships that to your point, like to this day, I still stay in touch with quite a few guys. I mean, that's how we're having this podcast interview. We only played in a few games together because you were playing professional, you know, college football, but we're still able to have this conversation. I think that right there attests to that one lesson that you can give your kids in sports. You can create deep, meaningful relationships and friends forever yeah. playing sports. Yeah, that. exactly. No, I love that. Um, yeah, and I was thinking, oh, did you only play for one year? Wow, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One year. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I thought it was more than that for some reason. Yeah. This is holy heck. We're, I mean, we're, we're reaching back into the archives now, aren't we? Going all the way back there. Um, <laughs> 2000. No worries. Yeah. But yeah, no, it is, man. I, uh and it's funny because the things that we've both talked about aren't necessarily about winning and losing. They're the stuff that happens off off the field, you know those 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 friendships and those 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 bonds that you make with friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you'll you'll remember the wins and losses, but this, in my opinion, the things that I remember are like the things after the games. You know, mm-hmm. like when everyone's happy. Like the high that you get from a win is hard to experience that in any other in anything else. You know. Yep, I agree. You, you probably could similar similar in, in different fields, but like if you win a close if you win a close match, I mean, yeah, it's it, you know it's an adrenaline rush that's hard to explain. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. You could say, well, you know, there's a rush from closing a sale, or there's that that really great feeling that you get as a parent when your kid does something that makes you really proud. 
And yeah. those are good, but it's just not the same. Like, yeah. it's, it's just different, yeah. you know? It's, it's different. Oh, my. But yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Well, this then kind of segues a little bit into, you know, we're talking about lessons learned from sports here. You're unique in the fact that you played two professional sports. You played in the NFL, like you mentioned, for the Chicago Bears, but then you also have, are now playing professionally internationally. I guess my question to you is, were there any specific traits or characteristics about the people that got to those highest levels or their stories as you got to know the other guys on your team um, that you've noticed that's consistent across all those people? I have, and I've only just really starting to realize this. It's funny. Um, it's that these, that people, you have to be sort of, um, I don't know how to explain it, but you have to have sort of like a, to reach the highest level in any sport, you've got to be a bit, um, not psycho, but just really, you've got to really want it because there's so many things or loopholes and trials that you've got to get through to get to that point, especially in American football where everyone is trying to like to get to the NFL, you know, mm-hmm. as that's their dreams as little kids. And so, um, but like everyone, everyone is on the spectrum of like, I'll do anything it takes to get to that to the to get to that level. And oftentimes, like, cause I I'm like I'm ADD to the max and like I sort of <laughs> I joke about it, but like I have to always be doing something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that my ADD is always towards like being active and, and, and being doing things associated with sports. But but like you notice that that a lot of these athletes across the board all have some sort of that sort of trait, you know, where like it's, it's an addiction where they have to work out. Like if, if, if they're overweight or if they've, um, if uh, they have a target, you know, for skin folds or whatever it is, they'll do whatever it is to get to that. And I always thought like, sometimes I think that people just land in as a professional athlete, it sort of just snowballs into it. And, and it's a coincidence, you know, that you're mm-hmm. there, but it's, like you'll see the the top one percenters. It's really not like all of these people are deliberate in what they do. You know, um, I like to say that I sort of just fell into this, and it's been a, it's a great blessing. But as I look over my whole like the whole picture, like the times where I'd run at night, you know, the times where I'd go to the gym, like when no one else was there, that I thought like, oh, this is just fun, just working out. You know, I'm just trying to look good for this the summer. What you or do. It yeah, exactly. Like, or like you look at the whole picture and you you realize that like okay, these are some of the fruits that, are, that, I'm, that I'm benefiting from, you know. But I realized that with all of these people in, you know, in senior level teams, they all have that, that go get it sort of attitude. Um, it sounds cliche, but I'm actually starting to like see it now as like, as, I've, as, I've, as, I, as I'm coming towards the end of my career and I'm sort of stepping back, I can see like all of the young bucks coming through and they're like, they're just so full of energy and stuff like this. And I'm like, oh, I miss those days, you know, where I could, I didn't need to warm up or whatever. I could just jump straight into training. <laughs> now I take half an hour just so I can warm up my shoulders, man. But yeah, I would say that's a trait. That's a common trait. And I don't even know how to explain it. Hopefully the, the viewers can sort of get an idea. But my way of doing it is like, is this sort of ADD sort of attitude is like, mate. Or so I should say OCD. I don't know what it is. But there's just, just this attitude where like, it's it's just the behavior and what they do to want to want to become where they, where they're going. Uh, some people won't make it, you know, because that's just the nature of the beast. But you find that 
a lot of these characteristics is everyone's a real hard worker if, if, if they're getting there, you know? You don't just yeah. get there by not working. So Yeah, the, the word I would use probably to describe it, because I've noticed this a very similar thing as well as I've spoken with people who are very high-performing or you know playing, at least even in college, I noticed this, yeah. was everyone's a little bit obsessed. Yes, that yes, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're obsessed about it. It is. It's very true. Yeah, you love it. It doesn't really feel like it's work sometimes, but you put in an inordinate amount of work because you are obsessed about it and you do love it. And because you put in that work, it tends to take you to that next level. Um, That work begets that success. And because you, and then all of a sudden that success feeds that obsession, you know, and you you love it. And you, so you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen exactly it. That's exactly it, man. And I think about it is because it's like, um, you, yeah, like you said, you don't look at it as an obsession. Like, it's just like, it's it's hard to explain. But like, as I'm getting older and I'm seeing some of these younger kids do what I used to be able to do, it's like, wow, man, these guys have got it, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. you, you can just see it. But, it, but if, if, if you're not necessarily, and this isn't a bad thing, but if you, if you haven't played at that level or you're just a fan or whatever, you would just be like, wow, these guys are just animals, you know? Or like, big mm-hmm. fans of it, or these guys are crazy. But it's like... Okay, they have the talent, but they've definitely worked hard for everything that they're, that they're doing on the field, you know, or the yeah. pitch or the court, whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. If there was one misconception that I wish that you could help, quote unquote, normal people see about most professional athletes is just to see the work that actually goes in to get to that level. So much yep. work is done in the dark. So much effort and energy is exerted to get there. Um, and then especially at the highest levels. I mean, you talk about a Kobe Bryant, right? Or mm-hmm. a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan. Those guys were obsessed to the nth degree. And yep. we've all heard the stories, right? But realistically, even the guy on the bench, to some mm-hmm. degree, has that. And that's the only reason why he's even on that bench, right? Yep. Um, and I think that translates also into our lives, right? You can't be incredibly successful in starting a company or being a great parent or having the perfect body, the body that you want or the exercise regimen that you want. You can't do that unless you're at least a little bit obsessed about it and probably more than a little bit obsessed to be honest. Right. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that for myself, like I've been called the only reason why I know that it's the word is obsessed. Cause I've had people call me that and I'm like, really, you think I'm obsessed, you know, type of thing. Um, but that's, actually the right mindset to kind of get into to take your life to the next level to really unleash it and really become your very very best yeah no yeah um you don't you don't know it yourself but other people will notice it that's the funny thing and like um and i'm starting like but yeah like you said it goes it goes the same way with any sort of person who's successful in their in their field because i've been around you know some people here at church um you know businessmen Mm-hmm. And I look at their field as well, you know, whether that's accounting, finance, or, or you know, they're just a CEO of like a, of a company or whatever, or a small company. It's like I look at that stuff and I, I admire it. But you can see their obsession too because the way that they their demeanor and they carry this themselves in certain ways. It's completely different to how I would carry it, but it's just a different field. You know, everyone's got yeah. their different strengths totally and weaknesses agree. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it is. It's it's all. It is transferable into life. You know, you think about um, if you want to be a good parent, you know, we're both fathers. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to put you've got to put in something <laughs> to get anything yeah. out of it. 
It, and it's like I see it like an investment, you know, with your kids. You want to, I want to expose them to as many things as possible, you know. And and as I look back on my life and how I was raised, I was raised very strict, with, you know, in my in my family. Um, I just, like, there's certain things that you can sort of cherry pick from your childhood and then ways that you want to raise your kids and stuff. But, yeah, I want, I want to raise my kids, you know, with a thing and expose them to everything that they want, but also at the same time, because there's that fine balance of like, okay, nothing comes for free, you know, like you've got to work mm-hmm. for certain things, you know, you might have to sacrifice here and there. I mean, they're still young, but yeah, you sort of get the picture. I know for sure. There's, there's a lot that goes with that. Hey guys. So I don't normally do this, but I'm going to interject here in the middle of the interview. When Paul and I finished actually recording, he and I wound up having a conversation off mic that I so grateful still wound up actually being recorded um, regarding confidence borderline on cockiness as an attribute of all great athletes. And it was so good. I asked Paul if I could, I could include it here and he was gracious enough to let me do that. So I've dropped it in right here. And, uh, after we finish up that part of the conversation, you hear, you'll hear another whoosh and they'll send us right back to where we were in the interview. But I just want to give you a little context before we jump into that. So here it is. That's another thing we should have talked about as well. The egos that we right. see. <laughs> We but that is, that is an it. interesting, that is an interesting facet. I did, we didn't touch on sports that I've seen, you know, you talked about characteristics. That's definitely one of the characteristics. Oh yeah. Ego. Um, That's a huge yeah. one. Ego. It's like, but the thing is like going with, with obsession, like you have to have some of that to get, to get to the top as well. Like oh, you can't completely. be like completely humble. And like my nature is to be very humble, but like I noticed in American football that didn't, that actually didn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. like being, Sadly, being yes. humble and, and humility oftentimes in sports that's you know that's a no-no it's like you got to have this i hate you this mongrel sort of mentality when you're going on the field you know mm-hmm. um, you gotta kind of yeah. have the the warrior like yeah eat you alive i am exactly, the greatest yeah. watch me you know type yeah. of mentality yeah but the only thing is that a lot of these people they don't they they can't transfer it into off the field so they'll come they'll mm-hmm. come out looking like an absolute peanut you know or like or just a jerk or however you want to explain it like oh that guy's cocky or whatever but um deep down they're probably good people but it's just you know what i mean like they have yeah, this mentality so they got to do to survive in their yeah. in their arena yeah so oh well that's a funny little aspect of sport too yeah no for sure <laughs> and it's funny that ego is one of those things that it doesn't matter what level that you're playing at, you'll see yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's peewee sports all the way up to the professional level. The egos yeah. might be bigger and there might be, you know, more of a magnifying glass on them, but still there. It yeah. still has the same impact. It's still there. Like in, like would like, like in, in, um, in sort of like a church aspect, you talk about it being like human nature, you know, the mm-hmm. human nature, the, the, the human nature natural is an enemy man. To God. Yeah, the natural man is an enemy to God. So like, that's that's pretty much ego right there you know everyone's got it like we're all sort of selfish people to to our core but um well yeah and you, yeah i will say you do have to have some of that like there's been times where i've you know kicked a man when he's down on the field or whatever that is just to sort of prove <laughs> well at least you can I, admit it i guess <laughs> yeah yeah like i hate doing it but like mate that's the thing about sports and and i will say that's a hard thing as well because you're going on the field to like bully someone or you're going on the field to literally mentally dominate them. That, that's what athlete, that's what that's rugby battle. You're going is. to battle. And then like off the field, I'm a family man. So it's like, you can sometimes get those two worlds 
um, mix and mingled and you come off the field and you're still acting like that and you just come off looking like you're, like you're, you're just too much, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, mate. It's funny, man. It's funny. That's you true. see that? That's the how have, you, how have you been able to make sure that you don't mix those two worlds? Um, trials and tribulations, uh, depression, anxiety, those sorts of things. Um, like the mental stresses that's really gotten me when I've, when I've mixed those two together, you know, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Like, like as, especially as an athlete, because you think about professional athletics, you think about fame, you think about like all of the parties, the drinking, the like all of those things. So when you miss those two, like if you're a family man and you can mix and mingle those things and you bring it into the home or, you know, vice versa, whatever it is, um, it can just lead to really unhealthy things, you know, like mental mental illness. And so there have been some dark spots in my career, over my career uh, that I've learned from, which has been awesome. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll only learn, you only learn through them if, unless you sometimes go through them, you know? So yeah. that was one way that, one way that I sort of had to deal with it is just the hard way you know yeah just doing it did yeah. you out of going through it did you get any tools or any things that you now do to kind of help delineate and kind of draw that oh, line between okay yeah. this is this is the sport and now i'm coming home yeah it, that's literally it is is is, is telling myself that they're, they're like because i would always i was always i was one that would take losses really hard as well like mm. earlier on in my career like losses or selection you know like those sorts of trials that come in sports you know when you're not selected or whatever yeah i would take those very hard and so i had to always just keep that perspective like this is just a game you know like there's more important things out there um but also i'm a lot more sensitive to it so when younger players come to me like i've actually been through that you know so that's yeah, that's, that's probably the best thing that's come out of it. i'd say is that i'm a lot more sensitive to it where previously had i not gone through some of the 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 dark and tough times, I wouldn't have been able to understand. I would have just been like, you're not selected or, you know, you're going through this, toughen up, you know, when sometimes that's not the answer people need to hear. Like they, they want to hear genuine, like genuine answers and they, they, they want to, they're looking to you for support. So that's a, that's a cool benefit that's come out from going through it is that I'm a lot more sensitive to it. And I try and listen, I guess, because yeah. It's, it gives you a sense of anxiety is tough, man. Like that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'll admit for me personally, in my limited sports journey, when I was effectively kicked out, of, I was, I played college football for one year at BYU. I walked on the team as well and yep. I went and served my mission. When I came back, they basically said, we don't need you. We don't want you and get out of here. And yep. I was kind of devastated. Uh, yeah. And it just, my identity had been tied to my sports for so long. And so for me, that became a, a real turning point for me to figure out who am I, right? But to your point, when I got to the other side of that, suddenly I had so much more compassion and so much more understanding for those who did play at a high level or who, you know, were great athletes and then kind of lose themselves coming out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to your point, when you go through difficult things, when you go through hard things, it enables you to have this empathy and compassion for people because you literally have been there. And even yep. if it's not the exact same, you can feel for them. So yeah. That's a really good point. No, yeah, exactly. And, and you, you like, them, I was always really, I, I thought I was always a very empathetic person. You know, someone told me, but like, 
you literally don't know unless you've gone through those trenches. And so, um, yeah, it's that's part of the that's part of life, I guess. So, yeah, <laughs> part of the journey. Well, yeah. I'm really glad I didn't hit the stop record button because I think this this right here, if you're okay with it, oh I'm yeah, take yeah. a snippet of this, and I might just throw a little thing in the middle of uh, that conversation about talking about attributes of playing sports. Be like, hey guys. I'm jumping in right here. I'm going to add a little piece. Paul and I talked about this after we had stopped recording, but I want to include it here, you know, type of thing. I think I might throw yeah. it in because I think it's a really good point, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, ego is huge in sports, yeah. but learning to help people manage it and becoming more sensitive to it and yeah. is, I think, a skill that needs to be developed amongst it does, all of us, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Does everyone going to face things that are going to test their egos? Like, I don't care who you are and at, at what point is, it's just a matter of when. And so you, you'll see the highest, you, you see the highest, you know, we talked about the LeBrons and Kobe's and Michael Jordan's and stuff. You see the documentaries on them when their egos are tested and it's all about how they reacted to it, you know, when, when it was tested. So you do got to work on it. You have to train yourself that, look, it's only going to last for a certain period of time, you know. Yeah. I need to learn to control it, you know, in whatever situation it is so that it doesn't blow up in a negative way. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you've seen those where the egos have gotten in the way and it's completely ruined athletes, you know. Um, I agree. That, to, to be fair, though, that can also be said in any industry because you'll see it with CEOs and businessmen and they all have to have that sort of cockiness, sort of macho man thing in the office, you know, just portrayed in a different way. Um yeah. But yeah, you just like to see good people. <laughs> like, yep. you know what I'm saying? You just want to see good people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can have an ego. You can be confident because you've worked hard for it. Yeah. But please be a good person. <laughs> like, that's how I look at it at least. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think your point that your ego will be tested, period, it doesn't matter yeah. what you do in life, is completely valid. I mean, become a parent. Your kids are going to test your ego immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're two or 20. They're going to push your ego, right? And parenting. I'm starting and to, I'm starting to find it out. <laughs> it, it's oh. so true. I mean, yeah. but it's those moments, like to your point, if you can learn to recognize it, oh, this is my ego making me feel X, Y, Z way, and then re- learn to respond appropriately, man, you have a whole nother level of confidence in yourself and you can then perform in whatever sphere we're talking about here so much better when you yeah. learn to manage that have you have you have you read the book um the chimp paradox or heard of it Mm-mm, never heard of it oh, what is it but it's exact. it's actually it's sort of like it's about this human brain psychology and things but it's exactly that it's like um you know the chimp is all goes off emotion that's inside of us everyone's got a chimp you know mm-hmm. that's based off emotion and, and things like that Whereas um, the other side of the brain is is the the computer side, and so that's all about reasoning. That's all about facts and things like that. But that's that's the, that's sort of like the test is that when it's tested, the chimp will always take over first. You know our emotions, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's throwing a tantrum, <laughs> crying or whatever it is. Uh, but you have to reason like that. Yeah, that's a good book. But anyways, yeah, that's we'll leave the- a link to that in the show notes. Then the chimp paradox. If people want to check yeah. it out. So this actually then makes me think, um, what is it like being a dad and a professional rugby player? We were talking beforehand that mo- the average age of professional rugby players is probably, you know, mid twenties. So most of the guys probably aren't married or don't have kids. What's it like being the married man on a married and 
couple kids guy yeah. on the professional rugby team. I love it, man. Um, it's yeah. I'm so because like I like I mentioned earlier, I'm sort of towards. I know I'm towards the end of my career because I just my 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 wheels are falling off. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> in the best way possible, of course. Yeah, in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun because it's fun. It's it's because a lot of the younger boys look up to. There's there's a handful of fathers on the team, you know, yeah. and the younger boys look up to them in a way like, oh, you know, these these guys are just average people or not so normal people, you know, professionals off on the field, but then off the field, they're, you know, fathers. And we're just in like, I mean, we're, we're in different, we're in different levels of life. Cause a lot of the boys, you know, they're, they're living that single life, but long story short, I love it, man. It's, it's fun still being able to play and have my kids, my oldest is seven, mm-hmm. uh, being, being able to come to games and take photos with us and, you know, to experience their dad sort of playing rugby, you know, mm-hmm. uh, most of the time they don't even watch it. They don't even care. They just, they'll just come to the game to play with the handful of other kids that are there. But um, it's, it's a blessing to be, to have had kids young enough for them to be able to sort of see me do my thing on the field. Yeah. Are there any particular blessings or particular things that you've seen that have, have blessed your family because they're able to participate with you and as you're playing rugby? Um, I can't think of anything in particular, but I'll just say the whole package, man. Um, yeah, from like, you know, them going to schools over here and being able to say like, oh, like my my dad's a rugby player, you know, and a lot of them are like, whoa, this is awesome. So we even, we even gave <laughs> yeah, up. They're immediately the cool kid, huh? Because they're yeah, exactly. the rugby player. So that's a blessing for them. But nah, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, funny, we gave their teachers some tickets to some of our games pre-COVID, obviously, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That's been a real blessing for us because whenever we need to take them out of school, then they're on <laughs> they're on board with us. They're they're, they're understanding because <laughs> they're fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we could kind of flip that question around then. Perhaps, what impact has your wife and your family had on your ability to compete? I mean, we've talked about what's it like being the dad, you know, in the team, but what impact has your family had on your ability as a player? They've just always kept me grounded, you know, like I feel like, you know, you say everything happens for a reason, but if I wasn't married with kids, I don't think I would have lasted this long. Really? Just, Why is that? Uh, yeah, just because I probably would have mucked around too much or, or not taken it as serious. There's only very few people in this world that can succeed at their career and sort of get by with just working mediocre, you know, and be yep. still successful. And I'm not one of them. <laughs> so uh, so the fact that, well, my family has, they've always given me a reason, a why, you know, I'm going to train, I'm going to do extras, I'm going to do these things because I have a family to provide for. Whereas if I was single, you know, I like I liked to think that maybe if I was single, I would have gotten more rest when I needed and all of these sorts of things. But, um, you know. I just, yeah, I don't think I would have lasted as long without them. So, and they're just, they're, they're my biggest fans as well. So it's always good to have them there, support yeah. me, win or lose, and to have something to go back to, you know, unconditionally. So I yeah. think you make actually a really good point with that. I, I think there's a common misconception that people can view a family as an anchor sometimes to your success. But you're actually yeah. making the argument that it's the exact opposite. They've enabled you to be more successful and last longer in your sport. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Of course I think it is. Like, like I hear it is. Yeah, everyone's different. Some people, some people might you know that that are married and you know are in a professional athletic environment. They might see it as a hinder to their career. I'd, I'd probably argue most would see that. Like, oh, if I was single, I'd have been able to bounce around, you know, been able to, you know, get more rest. I wouldn't have had the kids to have to deal with. But now, nah, for me, for me, I've diff and and I see it as I get older. It's like, mate, I'm only human, and there's certain things like I, I wouldn't have been able to do. <laughs> yeah, I actually completely agree with you, and that was part of the reason why I started the show, is because I think we need to change that perspective right? Yep. Yeah, of course, things might be harder in certain ways, but then your family also becomes the fuel for you in other ways. Yep. Like you said, you wouldn't have done certain trainings. You wouldn't have tried as hard in other areas because you're like, I got to provide for my family. And so it yep. pushed you in ways that you wouldn't have been able to push yourself on your own. Yeah. And my, like, to be honest, there's, I mean, we're sort of getting deep here, but my wife is, she's actually sort of my agent now as well. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so she, I wouldn't be playing rugby if it wasn't for her. Because after my stint in the NFL, so going into my third year, um, I was released by Chicago. Um, I got my degree in teaching, so I was going to look around for schools uh, to do PE teaching and coaching. You know, because that's probably what I'll do after I after I finish up with my career. Um, so this would have been twenty, the end of twenty seventeen. Um, and so she pushed me to like, babe, you're only 27, 28, you know, like, why don't you see if you can give rugby another shot? And um, she's basically the match that started the whole flame, really. So uh, I, in that sense, she's literally the reason why I'm still playing. <laughs> so my wow. family, yeah. Now nah, people people wouldn't know that. It's, it's There's been other people in my life that have influenced me more than myself at times, you know. Uh, when I, I thought I was done after Chicago, um, but here I am a few years later, still, still ticking over. So, and then also in renegotiating our last contract, I don't have an agent in rugby. So she's the one that, she's the one that does that. So really, that's <laughs> yeah, so cool. Know that. Yeah. Not many people know that. Um, but yeah, it's, it is what it is. She's Basically, I spilled the beans that I'm still here because of my family. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's okay. This is a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I was I actually, this is actually reminding me last night, we're recording this in the middle of summer 2020, a few weeks before the Tokyo uh, Summer Olympics. And yeah. last night I was watching the track and field trials and they highlighted four or five different athletes who their spouses were their coaches and also kind of their agents. So similar to you. And they talk about this, like the blessing that it is to have their spouse that's there to support them and help them and push them and encourage them. And sometimes even go to the negotiation table for them. Yep. No, exactly. It's, uh, it's awesome because you guys, you guys are then like more than your, your husband and wife, or you're more than that as well. Like, like you're, you're like you're literally companions where everything is out on the open, you know, where you can communicate everything. And because we've got kids, there's even more at stake. You know, when you're single, yeah. you can, okay, I'll go all the way on this side of the world. I'll go on this, this state, you know, bouncing around. All the family, you need to communicate those things. And I, it can be really hard, you know, with when, when, you know, you as a father, you've got to provide for your family and whatnot. 
oftentimes you want to be selfish and be like, no, I feel like I want to do this because this will be the best for us. But it's like, hold on, I'm not making decisions for just myself. I've also got a wife and kids as well. I've got to consider and when I'm making decisions, you know, on where we're going to live, you know, these things, yeah. opportunities that come up. Yeah. Yeah it's, great, cool, it's, yeah, it's cool just to be able to communicate that. Okay, like, so next year we'll be in that situation again. It's like, okay, so uh, what are we going to, you know, are, are we looking at staying here? Are we looking at going over to France to play uh, a stint over there? Are we going to head back to the U.S.? And it's cool, like, I'm not just explaining it to my wife, but I'm also explaining it to the person who I'm going to go and negotiate. negotiation table with. with. Yeah. You mentioned this idea that communication, the communication lines are so much more open for you guys, right? And communication is one of those kind of buzzwords that everyone throws around when it comes to relationships and relationship advice, because it really is so important. But I imagine it's just a whole nother level when instead of, you know, say you're at work, quote unquote, at the negotiation table, and then having to come home and relay it to her. And, you know, maybe you forget details or you only yeah. say certain things and you don't realize what's important to her versus she's literally sitting there at the table with you at work, quote, unquote, yeah. Um, yeah. figuring it out with you. I mean, that, that's yeah. awesome. It is. It's, it's, it's funny, man. It's uh, it's a funny thing when you look at it from from an outside perspective, but being in it, it's so awesome, man. And it's so it's yeah, it's like I can't because she's also she's human as well. So she's got her natural like um wants and wishes you know of course so i so i don't i can't even you know if your wife tells you something to relate relate to your boss or to whoever it is <laughs> you're gonna filter the things out because that's just how we are it's like no i don't want to go tell this you know and then she, you get home and she's chewing you out for not telling missing certain details we're in this one it's like mate she'll she'll do the opposite to me I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's easier cool. if she's the one saying it versus you having a yeah, yeah. little man, right? That, that's the difference between men and women I've found, man. It's, they're the ones that worry too much, you know? And so I'd rather have her things taken care of than mine and have a smooth, smooth sailing instead. Well, I'm sure she appreciates being able to participate with you and be, be a part of it. I mean, like who wouldn't want to, right? That would be yeah, great. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And if the roles were switched, I'm sure you'd feel the same way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, I am really enjoying this conversation. I feel like there's just so many good things here and kind of pulled back the curtain in certain ways with professional athletes. And uh, thank you for sharing that about that cool aspect of your relationship with you and your wife. That's awesome. Um, In light of the fact that we're kind of short on time, why don't we just end with the same question we ask everyone who comes on the show? And Paul, that is, what does it mean to you to be a contender? What does it mean to me to be a contender? Um, I would say someone who never gives up. Uh, that's sort of the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear of contender. Um, someone who's relentless, someone who's a bit obsessive, like we talked about earlier. Um, you know, someone who, when things, when the chips are against them or when things are down, times are tough, will never give up. Uh, they're always contending to with themselves, you know, a lot of the times it's with them, with ourselves that we, that we have to have that fight with or, um, but yeah, that's, that's what, that's what sort of comes to my mind when I think of, uh, what it means to be a contender is just not giving up and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. You remind me immediately of Rocky. Just never gonna be punch him in the face a thousand times, but he's not going to fall over. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep on going. Keep on going. I love it. Well, Paul, 
thank you so much for coming on the show today. Would you like to take a moment to perhaps tell listeners how they can find you and learn more about you or your team or anything else? Yeah. Um, I'm just on social media. So if you'd like to follow me, um, just Paula CK. Uh, Yeah. But um, yeah, come check out some of the music videos that I do that I attempt to do. Uh, and don't judge me, please. Uh, no, but I'm yeah, sure they won't. you're good. Yeah, but uh, that's basically it. Is, is um, yeah, we well, yeah. If you want, follow USA Rugby, follow Harlequins Rugby Club. Uh, those are some of the things that I'm sort of my work. Uh, if you'd like to follow more, but yeah, hope everyone, hope everyone's doing well. So well, we'll leave links to all of those things in the show notes. So if anyone wants to, they can find you that way. Paul, yeah. thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, Rob. Thank you. I am so grateful that Paul was willing to come on the show. Honestly, I'm blown away at the level of a lot of the guests that we get to come on the show and just so grateful. I know I tell them thank you after every recording, but man, just want to make a note out there. It's just so many great guests. For me on this episode, I had two key takeaways. Number one, leave it on the pitch. And number two, be obsessed. Leaving it on the pitch is hard, especially when that stress of life kind of seems to permeate so many things. Maybe finances are tight. Maybe work is stressful. Maybe you haven't gotten enough sleep or maybe your to-do list seems to be piling up all around you. Either way, we got to learn to leave it on the pitch. We got to learn to leave it behind so that we don't bring that worst side of ourselves to our families, the people we love the most. And the second thing, be obsessed. Man, I loved that conversation about the attributes of those performing at the highest level. I always viewed being obsessed as a bit of a hindrance to your success, but now I view it as a superpower and something that I've always had. My mom used to always joke with me as a kid that I would get obsessed and I'd get sucked into video games and different things. But now I realize, hey, it can be a great tool that I can use for my own success if applied in the right space, of course. Either way, great lessons, great takeaways from this this episode with Paul and grateful for his time. So what about you? What was your key takeaway from today's episode? All right, contenders, before we leave today, I want to give you a challenge. I did this earlier in the season, but I'm opening it up again. If you leave us a rating and a review in the next week, screenshot it and email it to me at rob at contenderswanted.com with your name and the subject line review, and I'll send you a $10 Amazon gift card as a thank you. And to make it a little extra this time, I'll give you a shout out in our next episode. So once again, leave us a rating and review, screenshot it, email it to me at rob at contenderswanted.com with your name and the subject line review, and I'll send you a $10 Amazon gift card as a thank you and give you a shout out in our next episode. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe and tell a friend about the show. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to visit our website at contenderswanted.com to sign up for our email newsletter. As always, a list of the resources and links we discussed, as well as a recap of the show and more about our guests can be found in the show notes. Please feel free to shoot me an email at rob at contenderswanted.com if you'd like to suggest a guest for the show or just to contact me. I'm always open to any feedback you might have and would love to hear how the show is helping you. So once again, my email is rob at contenderswanted.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, success leaves clues, and contenders are always wanted.